EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Well, Bone, uh, we're here for another episode of The Man Cave. You couldn't join me last time because I had Greg Rust here in the studio, but mm. the, our next guest is someone you didn't really work with, but you spoke to regularly mm. and got to know quite well. Yeah, I feel like I developed a relationship with Peter Overton, the presenter for National Nine News, uh, when I worked on a radio show, and he would come on and promote that night's news, but down the line, as they say. So he'd be at Channel Nine, I'd be in the radio studio, and I'd literally talk to him via an intercom, sort of almost like he was on the telephone. Yeah, and you'd have to chat to him, let him know how long to go, yeah. what was happening, and so... You do. You shoot the breeze and you get to know someone. He's a top bloke. I think I've had a couple of engagements with him on Twitter and, and I see him now and then at Channel 9. Mm. Strikes me as a top bloke and I think it was just really cool that he was willing to have us in his office at Channel 9 to have a chat about kind of life and career. Yeah, look, and it's widely known that he is a good bloke, one of the nice guys in the media, which can be rare when you're the face of a huge network. And just on a personal note, I also had interactions with him which were just amazing because my wife was a reporter and she wanted to become a, a, a television reporter at a new network. So it was the next level in her career and she wanted some advice. So she did a couple of demo tapes and we sent them to Peter because I had that relationship with him. And Pete would ring me all of a sudden at four o'clock in the afternoon as I was driving home and, and give me advice on what he thought and then he'd obviously ring her and let her know. So just little personal touches like that yeah. were great. That mentorship doesn't exist too much in the media today. So a great bloke uh, and hopefully you'll enjoy our chat with uh, Channel 9 News' Peter Overton. Well, Peter Overton from Channel 9, welcome to the EFTM Man Cave, or more importantly, your palatial office space here. Do you like the spa and the helipad and the tennis court? <laughs> I'm wrapped with your butler, Serge. I mean, he's done a great job, the butler. Coffee's hot? The coffee's beautiful. Thanks beautiful. for flying us in on the chopper, too. That was really nice. And the degustation menu will be served to you shortly. Thank Can we match it with good. wines? It sounds like we're on a Virgin Australia flight. Oh, how good would that be? <laughs> good, <Yes>. good tip. <laughs> exactly. Well, let me just describe my office. It's very small. Yeah. It's very messy. But the most important thing is uh, pictures of my wife and my darling children and moments in my career hang on the wall. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the wall in your office is pretty much your, your life in a, in a nutshell, isn't it? Beautiful pictures of Jess and your kids, yeah. as well as some really important moments in your career. Yeah, and I, 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 you know, we all take photos. I wish, when I was at 60 Minutes, I was there from 2001 to 2008, and the iPhone, the smartphone was not yeah. invented. Mm. I had an old Nokia that, you know, remember the screens, they were the size of your thumbnail, yeah. Yeah. and I never recorded life on the road, and I went all over the planet. I was in a, at 60 Minutes in a fabulous era yeah. where yeah. there was only, like, Richard Carlton, me... Mm. Tara, Liz, and Charles Woolley, mm. and just travelled eight months of the year for eight years I was there. And mm. I wish, I wish I'd recorded it mm. with a camera. Yeah. If I'd had one of these in my back pocket. Oh, even wow. just the odd snap in locations, let alone Incredible. Kind of travel diarist. Exactly. Stuff. It just yeah. would be, I could show my children, and that's what I miss. Um, so I suppose any photos I get now, whether it's with Pink or Nicole Kidman, who's a mm. great friend, or... Or just with Kenny Sutcliffe or Ross Greenwood and I doing the budget out of Canberra, I, t I tend to keep them now. Yeah, and, good. Yeah. We'll touch on some of those big stories you covered in during the Halcyon days at 60 Minutes for you, but you are a family man. To me, it seems that you've struck the perfect balance between being, well, the face of a network essentially and almost a, a dedicated stay-at-home father in the morning, I guess, with, with Jess who also works very hard to maintain the family unit. Well, I think in life that we're... 
we're all under such pressure. Yeah. You know, you guys are as, mm. as family men yourselves. And mm. look, I have that lovely luxury that I don't really have to get to work till 10, 10.30 in the morning. Sure. Um, so I can get the kids to school. Mm. I can walk them to school. And that is the great luxury and the great um, opportunity I have. And the relationship I've developed with my two girls through those walks, mm. yeah. I can almost measure because when you walk to school or you drive in the car, mm. the conversations with your children are often the best because there's yeah. no eye contact. Yes, that's right. It's just walking along, both walking in the same direction, and suddenly my particularly my eleven year old will talk to me about how her how her her body's changing in terms of as puberty is mm. I call it a D9 bulldozer telling yeah. the puberty train <laughs> through the front door, yeah. and that has happened. But I really feel very blessed that she feels so open, that, and I just talk to her um, as though it's a natural thing. And yeah. So I'm very lucky. And balance, we don't have balance. I think no. too many of us are driven by our work, yeah. and our work's too much of a, a master. And I think employers need to mm. also recalibrate a bit because – they get more out of their staff. And there's companies over the world that don't – they have programs that will turn your email off when you're away yeah. or you're on holidays. But yeah. it's interesting time-wise because you talk about you get the mornings, but you, you, very clearly you do not get the evenings. You know, your job requires you to be here and on the telly at night. So while there is an amazing balance for you in the morning, you, you miss the afternoon, evening. But there's uh, – it's a really interesting point you make about like work-life balance and businesses being flexible because it, see how energised you are by just having the mornings mm -hmm. and not having the nights. Imagine any parent getting to choose, you know what, I'm going to work from 6 till 2, so I always get the afternoons, and the other parent works from you know 10 till mm. 7, mm. and you could actually create a whole new balance in family, couldn't you? I reckon you're spot on, and I think it would be a great way for a lot of families to operate. Mm. And employers to operate as yeah, well. Yeah. I think, as I said before, we the focus and the pressure is too much on the on the job, mm. and the family suffers. Exactly. Well, look, uh, we cover cars, tech, and lifestyle here at the website, so I, I think we need to touch on, on those issues because that's what we love, and that's our bread and butter. Cars. I love mm. cars, and I, I do the motoring um, section of the website, so I get to drive a new car every week. You, as a car man, are mm. you a car man? Do you have a great love of a particular car? I love cars. My first word apparently was car. Car. Wow. Car. 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 My 80-year-old mother continually reminds me of that. Mm. Uh, and I've loved cars all my life. Mm. And as a kid, I'll never, ever forget seeing a two-door Range Rover yes. sweeping down the Pacific Highway with this handsome man at the wheel in his black tie <laughs> and his great-looking wife. I must have been 12. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they were going to something black tie formal. Mm. And I thought to myself, oh, God, I hope that's me one day. Yeah. And I, I used to drive an old Golf when I was at 60 Minutes and it got written, written off in the Channel 9 car park by a taxi driver. <laughs> so I thought... I could see how that had happened, by the way. <laughs> it's a bit tight. This is the moment. Yeah. So I, I went and bought a Range Rover Sport. Yep. And I've had that for three years. And every time I get behind the wheel, I just... I still feel how lucky I am. I yeah, think it's, yeah. I treat it like it's a new car. Yeah, yeah. On the flip side of that, my father, who was Professor of Paediatric mm. Anesthesia at the Children's Hospital for mm. nearly 40 years... He only ever worked as a public health doctor, never in private practice. Really? So he bought his first brand new car, age 69. Really? Wow. Yeah. A $19,000 Toyota Yaris. <laughs> and he still drives it, and he treats it like a handcrafted Bentley. Really? Oh, and it's, it's such joy to see the joy that gives him. But I love, I, I love my Ranger. You know what also I have in, in the garage? Mm. A 35-year-old 380 SL. 
Oh, really? really? Red convertible number. Oh, nice. Beautiful yeah, Mercedes. Yeah, wow. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I bought, uh, Jessica used to have, my wife yeah. had a navy blue convertible. And mm-hmm. when I met her, yeah. perhaps she's, she's loosened me up a bit, but I was a bit conservative <laughs> at the time. And yeah. I thought it was the most impractical money pit that I'd ever come across. <laughs> oh, it would be at that age. Oh, yeah. man. And she was taking it to... The, the dealer. Yes. And the dealer saw her coming. <laughs> and, uh, Every anyway, single time. I sold it yeah. and bought her this old golf. Yeah. And she never forgave me. So <laughs> about three years ago, maybe four years ago, I found this uh, beautiful old 380SL. Mm. Yeah. And I bought it. What yeah. a car. Oh, beautiful. stunning. Yeah. And uh, I love it. I the kids love it, yeah. and we take it out on a Sunday. Well, it's a perfect Sunday car, isn't say, it? Really? Yeah. Yeah. But I bought it as an investment as well. I yeah, really well, it would be. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've spent a little bit on it, but yeah. I hope it's going to go up in value. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. I, I think then, uh, you know, that that idea of uh, having a vision, and you might not have seen it as a vision at the, at the time as a twelve-year-old seeing the car drive by, but. Mm. Do you think it stayed with you? Like, did you 100%. every time you saw a Rangey over the years, it stayed 100%. with you? Because people talk about uh, a lot, uh, and you know, there's a lot of even podcasts about it. You know, the creating a vision for yourself, mm. and you know, Oprah had the vision board and all that kind of stuff. Do you, in career wise, mm. did that transition as well? Did you have a vision at some point as a kid that you wanted to be in in news and maybe even as a news reader? Without question, wow, absolutely, without yeah. question. As, at school, they all knew what I was going to do. Right. They, um, I remember a couple of them printing me shirts with nine and seven on them. Yeah. Because they knew this is what I wanted to do. Mm. Yeah. I love stories. I love people's stories. So, you know, I get to know people. I got to know Bowen when yeah. he worked in radio, just, down the just line. on the down the line. Yeah. Um, I, I actually first had a communication with you on Twitter. I think it I was think so, um, yeah. when mm. we were we were putting out there. We need some help, and I love people's stories. Um, and I knew this was for me, and I, I wanted to do very well. And Brian Henderson was always someone yes. I watched as a kid. We mm. grew up watching him, and I, I remember saying to my mum and dad, I'd love to do his job one day. Yeah, the media can suck you up very early. I, I think even from the age of seven, I was recording the, the Seven Nightly News theme, the Channel 9 News theme mm. on a little tape deck and playing it back and listening to it. And I used to idolise uh, newsreaders such as Roger Clemson, Ann Sanders, Jennifer mm. Kite, mm. Um, obviously Brian Henderson, who was around forever. Do you look at some of the overseas talent as well? Like we had the Peter Jennings and the, the yeah. Tom Broker, you know, all, all those Dan Rather. Big names. Did America, you identify with those America's people as well? idolisation of, mm. of the news, news anchors is yeah. Yeah. to an extreme. It is. And uh, Peter Jennings, age 23, mm. I went and sat just off camera as he presented the ABC Evening News. No way. Across yeah. America. Yeah. And he was delightful. Yeah. And he knew everything about Australia yeah, right. and made me feel so welcome. How did that I, come about? I, we used to take the ABC Morning News with Peter Jennings mm-hmm. here at 10.30. Yeah, so I'd been course, at nine yeah, nearly yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Right. And when I arrived as a young sports reporter, yeah. that was in the 10.30 a.m. slot. Eventually they put me in as a young bloke and said, we'd like you to do that. So that was the start for me. Yeah. And I went to New York to visit a friend and I rang up. I found out the phone number. There were no mobile phones back then. Mm. And I, I rang ABC uh, Nightly News and mm. got on to the, uh, the publicist, I think. Told him what I did, who I worked for, and I'd love to just come in and yeah. observe and please come in. It was fantastic. And mm. that's what I do now. I encourage young people, mm. you know, and, 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 and we all have dreams. Mm. And so I sat off camera with the late Peter Jennings and just yeah. marvelled at him. And I don't model myself on anyone, yeah, but sure. if there was someone that I liked his style, mm. um, 
he, he was he had a almost a conversational reassuring style. Mm. I try to be like that. Yeah. Look, I I'm probably not the most technical newsreader. Like Hen, Brian Henderson was mm. the, the the guru when it comes to that. So I, I, I do have my own style, and it seems to be working. You talk about mentoring people, and that's what I hear from everyone in terms of you. I mean, everyone just says you're a nice bloke, and that can be rare in the media. I mean, there's some tough people out there to deal with, and you seem so approachable, and uh, you hear stories of you going down to the canteen here and, and, and talking to the cleaners and people like that. What is that just something as part of your upbringing? Um, as someone who's so high profile, you feel the need to connect with just everyone you come across. I don't feel the need to connect with people I come across. It's just who I am. You just yeah. do um, how I've been brought up, and mm. I really, you know, it only enriches your life. I look mm. at my father and my mother. Dad, as I said, was at the children's hospital, and mm. he's just an astonishing man. Yeah. And Australian Story did his retirement. Mm. And the last shot was of the Greek cleaner leaning on his mop saying, we're going to miss the professor. Mm. Now, Dad had as much time for that Greek cleaner as he did for the Minister for Health, for the parents of uh, the sick kids, for the doctors, the nurses, the boilermakers, the trolley men, the trolley women. It's what's been instilled in us growing up. Mm. And so I know all the security guards. I have a make a polystyrene cup of tea with this beautiful cleaner we have. We, we stand there for a couple of minutes and we just chat. Mm. Um, the plumbers, it only helps you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jessica, my dear wife, she does get frustrated when we go out for dinner because I'll ultimately interview the waitress yeah. or the waiter <laughs> and hear their life story yeah. and forget to talk to her on date night. Yeah. But it's what <laughs> it makes the world go round. And that's why I think I had such a great time at 60 Minutes was yeah. because yeah. I'm interested in people. And I, I, I get... I get really irritated, to be frank, that yeah. some of the on-air people, they don't get it. Mm. Yeah. They don't understand that we all, that because we're on TV or mm. on radio yeah. or we're well-known because we're an actor or an actress doesn't give you the right mm. to put to, up a brick wall. To, to, well, yeah, or, or to, to rise above everyone else. Or yeah. believe your own publicity. Totally. Yeah, I think that's what it mainly is. And I, I get very yeah. irritated about that. It's because, I mean, we have a very strong radio background, and, and you, you too, you started yeah, to you the, the very early days in radio. Radio has, and a lot of people talk about it being that very personal, intimate medium because people are welcoming you into their lounge room or their car or wherever it is. Well, you, you would argue the television news is equal to that, if not more, because people choose, um, they have a choice, they have a choice now, that is more than ever, um, but they choose to have this person talk to them now for, what is now, an hour. Mm. So it's a very personal thing, so you have to really accept, and I guess what I'm hearing is you acknowledge that people are welcoming you into their lives, so you, you want to be part of that two-way conversation. You're spot on, Trevor. It, they have a choice. Yeah. And mm. for the last eight years, I've been in the chair, this is my tenth year, we've been the number mm. one news, and... Don't take that for granted at all. We mm. understand people, you know, turn on the TV and mm. they're welcoming you into their into their lounge room, their kitchen, a baggage carousel at the airport, wherever they can yeah. find a TV. Mm. And uh, and and I don't take that lightly by any stretch. Yeah. In that ten years, um, it's changed a lot. I mean, this, the the hour, the one hour long thing has, has come in that time. Mm. News has changed a lot in mm. in those ten years. Let alone television news, just news generally. Mm. How have you had to adjust to, the, to your the way you put your day together? Let alone the way you present the news in that time. No, I don't think I've had to adjust. I think I've just had to be like everyone. Mm. That technology is driving that change, mm. and that's the way we consume our news. It's the avenues we can get our news from. 
So I haven't had to adjust or adjust my presentation. I think because I'm a journalist first and foremost mm. who can read autocue pretty well, mm. um, because breaking news is now instantaneous. Mm. It's either yes. a, a journo mm. or a reporter on a phone. It's what we call the Geros, which are, yep. you know, they're not a million-dollar satellite truck that has nope. to get to the location. True. It's, it's yeah. a suitcase Backpack with four with a few cards. SIM cards mm. in it, yeah. That, that we can go live. Yeah. And they can say to me in my ear, they did it the other day when the Thai rescue was right, on. Yes. At rescue. five to six, the produ- we were doing a late-night news bulletin. Mm. The producer rang me down on the set and said, Pete, uh, we've got um, Todd Russell is doing an interview with A Current Affair. I want you to quickly interview yep. him. You've got... You've got two minutes in the five-minute window before you're on air for six, mm. and we'll run it in the late news. So <laughs> straight onto it. You know, no. you know, it's just we recorded yeah, it. You know what happened in Beaconsfield. You know what people want to yeah. know. You go for it. D- just on that f- uh, point, again, with the technology changing things, the, the interesting thing to me is I've probably seen more of your presentation <coughs> on Twitter than in the broadcast medium mm. over the last year and a half, I'd say, mainly because of the way I work my schedule during the mm. during the news, I'm I'm more than a computer a computer than a TV. But mm. Nine News, you know, basically pushes out every single uh, piece of the news um, in an in an incremental element uh, via Twitter. So it has your presentation at the start, it has your back announce at the end, and it then has branding. It's a whole new way of people even discovering mm. you, let alone the content that you guys make. Well, hopefully the younger audience too, that's because right. that's where they're consuming their news yeah. is via social media, whether that's Facebook, mm. Twitter. Mm. We do live Facebook and Instagram feeds yep. about yep. Uh, 10 to 6 most nights. I'll yep. do it. Yep. Um, and, and I understand that that's the way it is. I just wish we could, we could corral all those eyeballs yeah. and say this is how many eyeballs were on our news yeah. last night. That's right. Or yeah. watching Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Or watching... Watching seven thirty or whatever because it is. The TV ratings don't really articulate what mm. is the audience today, well, given all those extra eyeballs in different platforms. Personally, I think uh, that there are more people watching all programs, mm. uh, but it's just corralling them all together and getting it all together. Mm. Exactly. Now, looking back at your sixty minutes time, obviously a lot of highlights, a lot of lowlights. The Bali bombing, in particular, um, you covered that extensively. With uh, was it Peter Hughes? Peter Hughes, the uh, the Burns victim from Australia. I mean, that was a, a terrible situation where we had him on TV giving an eyewitness report probably the following day, suffering horrible burns with people who back here with a medical expertise knowing that this guy's in a lot of trouble. And you, you covered him extensively. Take us through well, that. I'll tell you how that happened. I was in Hong Kong sure. doing a story on David Hayes, the yep. trainer, yep. Shane Dye, the jockey, and John mm. Size, the trainer. And we'd finished the shoot, and yeah. we got a call, I think at five in the morning, the producer got a call, and I remember him pounding on my mm. hotel room door Mate, there's been a bombing in Bali. We've we've got to you know get your stuff together. We're on the way, and uh, we you know when you travel with sixty, you have about thirty bags, and yeah. we didn't get to Bali. We we just couldn't get a connecting sure. flight. Yeah. So what we uh, decided to do in consultation with uh, the office back home was we diverted from Hong Kong straight to Adelaide, where we understand a lot of patients yeah. had been taken mm. via mm. Darwin mm. with the Australian emergency right. teams mm. that went over there. We ended up at Royal Adelaide Hospital, mm. and I'll never forget the PR guy said, oh, did you see that bloke on the telly who had that soccer ball-sized yeah. head saying, mate, there are other people who are worse off than me? Yeah. Well, that was Peter Hughes, mm. and he said, he's, he's in the hospital, mm. and a priest is about to give him the last rites. Mm. We were staggered that, we, that this was all unfolding in front of our eyes. Anyway... His son was there, yeah. and the priest wasn't giving him the last rites, but he was desperately unwell. Yeah. We spoke to his son over a period of time, just chatting, yeah. 
and uh, they agreed. He agreed to chat to us, yeah. and so became or so began an incredible friendship mm. that has lasted all these years. Mm. And I still keep in touch with Peter. Mm. I did about five stories on Bali on all the survivors. I still been back there to the Sari Club um, with them all, mm. and. Peter and I, we talk, you know, once or twice a year when the anniversary comes around mm. and the other, a lot of the other victims. And I'll never forget that soccer ball head and I'll never forget the doctor saying to me what that actually represented was a man dying in front of your eyes. He was so critically ill even then. Incredible. Wow. Mm. Yeah. There's been a couple of other stories on there which are infamous, I must say. And I know what's coming. Tom, <laughs> Tom Cruise. I did a bit of YouTubing last night, and yeah. uh, just to refresh my memory. Yeah. Uh, he Quickie was difficult for about, uh, I don't know, 90 seconds or so when you asked him a few probing questions about his love life. Here's the thing, Peter. Yeah. You're stepping over a line now. You're stepping over a line. You know you are. I suppose they're questions Peter, that people want to know. Peter, you want to know. Take responsibility for what you want to know. Don't say what other people. This is a conversation that I'm having with you right now. You're right. Okay. So... I'm just telling you right now, put your manners back in. When you are confronted by a bloke of that calibre, and clearly he's getting a bit steely and looking straight down the barrel at you, I mean, you accommodated him very well, I thought, and you, you maintained your stance and you didn't back off, really. You also very very genuinely apologised when, when he the said end. so. But How did you feel when that moment oh, transpired? I think it was excruciating, <laughs> having one of the biggest stars in the world, yeah. you know. But at the same time... I just stay true to who I am. Yeah. Mm. So who you see reading the news yeah. or doing 60 Minutes or sitting in front of you now or with all my colleagues out there or with my, my daughters and my wife, it's who I am. Mm. And I just didn't even think about it. you know. And I did apologise, but at the same time yeah. I said to him, these are questions that I think are fair. Absolutely. And he yeah. said, no, no, they're, you know, yeah, they're yeah. what you want to know. It was an interesting time in his life, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, it was. He, uh, he was going through a transition. I think he, he had a new publicist, which was his sister. Scientology, very big in his life mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, mm -hmm. while it was, it was pretty full on, yeah. um, I, I held no ill will towards him. You no, know, it was just yeah. one of those yeah, things that sort of... And I remember at the end, we were in Steven Spielberg's compound in Universal Studios. That's right. where we were doing the interview. Mm. And I looked at the producer at the end after Tom had left. And I was a, I was a bit like, what just happened? <laughs> I would have been high-fiving. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I said, was that all right? Yeah. And he said, yeah. was that all right? Was there ever... Yeah. Was that, that's, top, that's top five sixty. Because essentially, essentially there's really no debate. That's getting in the cut, right? Mm. That's... That happens. It's getting in the show. Mm. It's the promo. Yeah, mm. it's the promo. Yeah, it's, it's was did the public does the, in that situation? Two things before and after, and this is dealing with just celebrities generally, not just Tom Cruise. But is there sometimes that whole you know can and can't talk about list, and does that determine whether or not you even want to bother with the interview? Because mm. great question. Look, I think there is. Bruce Willis was a classic. Uh, I, I had half an hour with Bruce, and he was the voice of a raccoon. I think in a one of those animated <laughs> yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. And when you go in, you, you do three or four or five questions on the movie. Yep. And then you're doing a profile on them. Yep. But I'll never forget, he walked in into this hotel room in Los Angeles and he was cranky pants. Yeah. Gee, he was annoyed well, he's with notorious. something. Yeah. And uh, his publicist said, oh, he's not in a good mood. I'd, I'd stick to the movie. And I said, how am I going to ask for half an hour about being the voice of a raccoon? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we, we, did, we did the interview and I asked about his family and all of that. And look, I think there are no-go areas, but you tend to navigate around them. And, mm. and you've, got, you've got to ask the yeah. questions. You do. And yeah. often it's the stars yeah. who are much, much more willing than the than publicists, the, publicists, the right. people yeah. around them. They do hold them yeah. back. Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger was fantastic. This yeah. publicist kept saying, no, 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 yeah. no, everything I asked. Yeah. Could he, could he sign my book that I, like, 
Mr Olympia or whatever that yeah. weighed heavier than a jumbo jet and I carted <laughs> it over from Sydney. Could I have a photo with him? Could I go for a walk with him? No, 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 no. She just kept saying. The interview went so well, I just took over and I said, Arnold, would you sign my book? He said, of course. Could we have a walk? Of course. Because you like to walk with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks it's like a you've good been shot. hanging out with yeah, them. It's yeah. a good yeah. shot. You're, you know, oh, you're <laughs> we had 20 minutes with him, but really it looked like we'd looked been like hanging we out all day. Days, yeah. At the very end I said... Um, how about a photo, Arnold? Of course. And he put his arm around me and I said to the puppers, could you, you take, take the photo? <laughs> That's gone. Listen, I, I digress heavily, but I can't help noticing in your little office here, a lot of lot of models of planes. Yes. Now, I'm lucky I get to fly a lot and I'd love to have just a couple of those models, but my wife wouldn't let them be near the joint. So it's probably probably why they're here, though. I don't know. But You're is there a fascination on, with planes or is that just not allowed in the house? Well, two things. They're not allowed in the house. Um, but And I love aviation. And yeah. at 60 minutes, I had eight years, as I say, flying oh, yeah. the globe, and I yeah. just loved it. Um, and my brother's a senior captain with Cathay Pacific. All oh, right. And uh, I'm very proud of what he's achieved. And I do love... I love flight. It's still, you know, a mystery to me. Fascinating, I, isn't it? I, I love talking to my brother about it. I, I don't know that he loves talking. For him, it's like he goes to work. I go to work. It's a job. But he, he, he does humour me and answer all my questions. But no, uh, they're sort of tucked up there, aren't they, in the corner so no one can see them. You're the first person that's ever noticed them, Trevor. So I really appreciate <laughs> is that. There, is there a place you've, you've travelled so much with 60? Um, mm. Is there a place you'd love to go still? Well, I, I went to Kenya a, a few years ago. Oh, no, actually, I've been in the news 10 years, so probably mm. 15 mm. years ago mm. for 60 Minutes. Mm. And we did a story on saving the lion. And we were literally with these you know, professors tranquilising lion. Mm. And here I am holding their ma- these tranquilised lines open with their mouths. I'm holding their mouths wide open as they look at their teeth yeah. and look mm. at their health. And sure. we satellite tag them and they're going, the lines will suddenly go. <laughs> and I'm going, is that a waking up noise? Is that a waking up noise? Time to run. Um, but I remember rigging Jessica um, where I stood in a certain part of this region and I could get my little Nokia phone to find a signal. I said... Hopefully we'll have children one day and we must bring them back here right, because sure. it is exquisite. Yeah. And uh, we were going this September, mm-hmm. uh, but we've had to postpone for one year. We're all booked. We've just yep. pushed it back a year. Yeah. And that's where I want to take them. Uh, for me, I don't know. I think I've, I've been everywhere. I've been so yeah. lucky. I really – it was one of the – as I reflect, at the time, it's so intense. It's mm. – you know, you've got to deliver the story. And those stories are costing a mm. lot of money yeah, when yeah. you're flying Big four budget. people. Mm. You know, business class airfares, hotels, transport, the lot. It's a mm. water fed. It's yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so at the time, it's very intense and you just focus, focus, focus. I think it's only since – I still contribute reports, but I think it's only leaving the show full time that you reflect about the extraordinary mm. opportunity you have been given mm. with 60. to meet people, to explore the Okavango Delta, mm. to fly weightless above Moscow at 60,000 feet. Wow. To fly with Greg Norman in his Gulfstream, <laughs> to interview Angelina Jolie, oh, to you're rubbing it in now. Yeah, Pete. but you know all yeah. those incredible to Just do amazing. stories that resonate with people that yeah. make change. I think the most important story, or one of the most important stories I ever did, was on the forgotten generation of cancer sufferers. And in you have adults where research money is devoted to and care in an adult hospital. You've got kids, mm. trials, research, mm-hmm. but is that? It's, it's the teens into the early 20s mm. that are called the forgotten generation. Right. And I did a story where I travelled to Los Angeles, uh, to the north of England, to London, and we looked at how they looked mm. after the forgotten generation. We put that story together, 
And the Sony Foundation, for which I'm an ambassador of, saw that story and have created the UCAN cancer centres around oh, Australia. Right, yeah. And we had the 20th anniversary last week of the Sony Foundation, and that was a real strong component of, right. of that celebration. Mm. So I think those stories where you mm. make change and mm. impact people... Leave a legacy, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, just, yeah, you help yeah. people. Yeah. Bowel cancer was the other one. Sorry to interrupt, Bowen. No, that's right. Where the boss said to me, I want you to do a story on bowel cancer. Yeah. I said, right. That starts off being difficult straight from the title, doesn't it? Mm. It, do- it does. How are we going to do that? He said, this is how we're going to do it. Mm. He's a very smart man. He said, you're going to have a colonoscopy on air. I remember this, yes. So I, I had the big black hose and everything, yeah. and then live, i.e. filming live, the doctor gave me my results, and yeah. I said, if it's bad, we film it live. If it's good, we film it live, sure. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that story we won an award for, hmm. but most importantly, it was one of the biggest mailbag 60s ever received because really? people listened. We yeah. won the award for doing more in 12 minutes for bowel cancer awareness than Had the doctors have been, been able before. to do in 25 years. And the mailbag proved it. Yeah, it sure. was just one of those stories that you, you think, a simple idea mm. yeah. and the change it can make. Yeah. You had your own, on a personal note, you did have a scare, um, a cancer scare um, I, well, recently, yes, which yes. received a bit of exposure. I did. I was, uh, it was at the end of last, was it last year, yeah, mid-last yeah. year, yeah. September. I'd been feeling very unwell for mm. a couple of months and I had all these huge lumps. I couldn't even do my shirt up. Mm. And I thought it was ingrown hairs. Mm. And I was really feeling crook. And one night I said to Cameron um, Williams, the sports sure. presenter, I said, mate, I feel terrible. I just can't wait to get home. I got home. I went straight to bed. And Jessica pleaded with me. She said, for two months you've been going on how unwell you feel. Yeah. Get to the doctor. I went to the GP. He took one look and said, I, I'm really concerned about this. Sent me straight to scans. Mm. And he then rang me and said, I'm sorry, Peter, the um, doctor at the scan uh, p- practice and me, yeah. we, we think that you, I'm sorry to say, have lymphoma. Jeez. And yeah. I was like, that horrible swell just yeah. comes over mm. you. And I remember ringing Simon Hobbs, my news director, to yeah. say this was the deal and I got very teary and then I pulled myself together. Mm. Then I was booked in for biopsies yeah. and a head and neck surgeon. They even booked me into a head and neck surgeon who specialises in this. It was mm. that. It was going like that. Mm. Had all these biopsies. I had every blood test under the sun and was kneeling in front of my kids at three in the morning because I couldn't sleep, mm. sort of just looking at them. Then I'd sort of give them these gentle kisses so I could smell them mm. and stuff. And oh, I was thinking of the account. I was writing lists, accountant, libel, everything. It was nuts. Wow. Mm. And then we waited a few days and it came back that I, a vicious virus had got me. Yeah. It was the, that relief. That's the longest few days yeah. you've had. It's really interesting when you go through that because I've interviewed like Chris O'Brien, the head of next yeah. so yeah. I've done. Six, six-year-old kids on neuroblastoma where they've died while we've been shooting mm. and so on. But you you are doing the story. Yeah. You don't have the cancer. Mm. Yeah. So suddenly I was on the other in, side. On the other side. Yeah. Well, look, on a more positive note, Hendo retired. They put in Jim Whaley. Then we had Mark Ferguson. And then you. You arrive as the face of Channel 9 News. Pete, how did that happen? Was there an exact moment where you pulled into an office and told by one of the bosses, right, we're going to put you forward. You're the man. You need to lift the ratings. David Gingell was the CEO, and he, he mm. uh, asked, asked me to do it. And, yep. and I was enjoying 60 Minutes, and I said, righto, but, you know. <laughs> did you know that, like, like when, when you got called to the office or what, did you even think that was going to happen? Like, was it still part of the plan for no, you? No, well, I, I, I wanted to read the news sure. somewhere one yeah. day, <clears> and uh, somewhere could be anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it happened here. Yeah. And it was high pressure. There was no oh, question. I could just and, imagine. And, you know, the, rati- the ratings for the first... 
year or so, and then suddenly we just went boom. Mm. And uh, that, that's been the most rewarding. I think rewarding for David Gingell as well, yes, who, who made yeah. the decision. Yeah. And yeah. He, he's, a, he's a terrific supporter and still on the board of nine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those shows where appoint, it's still appointment viewing. Yes. Um, and and that's... that's, that's you know, it's funny how television's changed in that way. So mm. my wife was out at the PNC meeting last night. I was sat on the lounge, kicking back, watching whatever I wanted, and I switched, you know, the televisions these days, you switch from stand to live TV. You know, that's the, yep. instead of changing channels, you switch from app to, to live or whatever. Mm. So I, got, I was on Ninja Warrior. You know, it's, I think it was the grand final. Mm. I hadn't really been following it, but, but we'd watch it with the kids. They love it. My wife comes home, and I said, well, just, she's talking. I said, listen, just this is the last guy. This is the, the only one. She goes, is this live? I went, no, it's not live. They filmed it months ago. No, she, is, this, is this on now? Yeah. Like, to the point where people don't really know what's on when things are on, yeah. news is the only thing that's left like that, Yeah, isn't well, it? even 60 Minutes, it was ingrained in us that it was 7.30 on a Sunday, and that's mm. now... Push back. It's time slots very fluid. Yeah. Um, and news is probably the last thing standing. Yeah. Um, well, you set your clock by it. I mean, I know we do uh, at home. Well, I guess um, news in today, that's, that's the, yeah, the way that's the right. network yeah, kind exactly. of bookends yeah. it, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the last of really yeah. the appointment viewing. Of course, I start at 5 o'clock when my wife works at Channel 10, but then straight at 6, Pete, on the, <laughs> on the dot Bowen, for the uh, full hour. And I, I've looked at a lot of your wife's um, <laughs> uh, tapes, and she's fantastic. You know, you know, I've got to be honest, and it's a bit of a personal story, but my wife was endeavouring to become a reporter at Channel 10, and she was working at another organisation and Pete behind the scenes was being a mentor to her despite working for another network yeah. watching some of her demo tapes and honestly Pete that was marvellous and to this day we're indebted to you no, for that. No that's how it should be isn't yeah, it? You, we yeah. should all, like oh, I do it all I've got a couple here already from young people who, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I'd hope people will do that for my children. I think we've got a I think generosity of spirit is lacking a lot yeah. um, these days and I think that old fashioned stuff is really important Yeah, yeah I find it fascinating that, that uh, I, we had Greg Rust who's a good friend of Mine used to be at Channel Ten um, on, on the podcast mm, just yeah. just this week, and we had the same conversation. We were talking about how we don't, and I said we as a, as a network of community, the, the media community. I don't think we ring people enough to say, yeah. "Hey, good job, mm. that was great, yeah. loved what you did there." Mm. It kind of back in the day in radio, there was a program director who would tell you that stuff. Yeah. They mm. don't exist anymore. Mm. I'm sure people, you know, tell you how the bulletin went and stuff, but yeah, I feel like the whole. Society, let alone media, is lacking that whole "Hey, good job" yeah. vibe. Look, you're spot on. I I do it all the time, mm. and especially for our overseas reporters mm. yeah. who, are, who, who are working in the dead of night or whatever. Um, it's so critical. I do it for my children. Yeah. I do it for. It's not hard to write a note, send a text, ring someone up. I rang yeah. someone last night who just got a, a promotion, mm. and and said, "Gee, I was pleased to hear that." We mm. and I spoke at a school last Monday where I said, "You know what, boys? It was all the Year Twelve boys." Let's revel in each other's success. Mm. Yeah. We tend to envy and get jealous, That's and they're really strong words: mm. envy and jealous. Yep. Let let's let's revel in your mate's success. Yeah. And yeah, life can be unfair because you didn't got it, but mm. but that is life. Mm. It is unfair. Yeah. And there are great moments that you'll have, and if you are the one that misses out, work harder, keep going, but mm. enjoy your other other mate's success or your revel in success. each other's success. Yeah. I which love is that. a way of looking at jealousy in a whole new way because. Yeah. We're all going to have jealousy. It's a human trait. Mm -hmm. But rather than being jealous of Bowen for a reason, I should... I <laughs> what are you jealous of, mate? This is my hairdo. I was, I, was <laughs> trying to, not. I was trying to come up with an example and I struggled. No. <laughs> the 
we, we, we embrace that and actually make it part of our own, our own success overall and, yeah. and as a community. And I think that's the point is it can be school community, yeah. uh, can be your physical community and your, your work community, yeah. whether it's an industry or otherwise. And it actually can change. It can really give someone a boost that can also change can. their next day, let alone the rest of their it's career. It's amazing. I, I don't get much feedback. The feedback <laughs> I get is, well, there's two things, and I'm 52 now, so yeah. I get it. But I love it when you get a pat on the back. Who doesn't? Whoever's listening to this of podcast, course, yeah, yeah. If you, you're lying if you don't say you love yeah. it when someone yeah. says good job or whatever. Mm. Every now and then I'll get a text like from Kenny Sutcliffe yeah. or Steve Crawley from yeah. Yeah. Head of Fox who used to work here, Fox Sports, or or Ginge or someone, and they'll just say, how are you? Gee, you're reading well or, or the yeah. news is going well. Yeah. It means the world. Does it, Hendo still drop in and give you an opinion? Hendo yesterday. Did you? Yeah. I uh-huh. think my phone... He says a no-caller ID, and it rang during this podcast, and <laughs> yeah. that'll be him because he wants me to go around for coffee. We don't okay, answer those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we used to get a lot of private numbers calling us. <laughs> we, we don't answer those anymore. The, um, but, but well, I, I do I, keep in touch. But it, does that, is it the same apply to the public? Because public have better access. To the, you mentioned yeah. the mailbag a couple of times. Yeah. What a great institution the 60 Minutes mailbag is yeah. because it was, the, it was the way of sending feedback to the 100%. show. It's kind of like the... Um, back in the heydays, there was a there was a Richmond PO box in yeah. in Victoria mm. that yeah. all the mail went to, right? But now people can follow Peter Overton on Twitter and people can message you. Mm. I can't imagine people. But correct me if I'm wrong. You get a lot of hate on Twitter because you you are such <laughs> a nice bloke and you have a pretty straight up and down job. But do people do you get that? I do you get the I trolls? don't actually look at Twitter too much right. because I, it can sap you. And I advise yeah. that there's a few people. Um, Spend a bit of time man, on. Some young women here. Yeah, they do cop it. It can really yeah. decimate their yeah. self-confidence. And I say, yeah. well, these are often anonymous people yeah. who trade in this sort of stuff. Yeah. And don't let them win. So don't mm. go there. Yeah. I, I use Twitter mainly for news, yeah. um, yep. getting that info out. Mm. Um, to the mailbag. I do the mail on 60 Minutes now, but but it's spot, it's it's not weekly at mm. the moment, which um, mm. I, I wish it was because I love it so much yeah. and I think it is great feedback and we can give ourselves is a Is that slap. just a time thing for the show? Or? Yeah, most, yeah, most of the time. Yep. Mm. And the other thing is you mentioned the public and so the feedback I'll often get is in the supermarket mm. yeah. or it's um, at the petrol station. Uh, everyone has a problem that they yeah. think you can resolve. And right. it's amazing when Jessica and I walked down the street, it happened just a few days ago, a guy hovered about three feet <laughs> off me while we were having a, a, a conversation with a lovely friend, and he would not move. Mm. And so I said, hello, mate, do you need me? Yeah. Do you want me? yeah. And then he, for 20 minutes, just launched into his the issue that was dominating his yep. thoughts. And I stood there and, and said, well... You know, I, I, unfortunately, I can't do a story on that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, I've, and I've been literally cornered in bottle shops by yeah. fathers with great beefs against mm. the family law court yep. and so on. Mm. And in the end, I'll say, well, if you're ready to talk and your ex-wife's ready to talk, go on the and, record. Yeah. And they go, oh no, 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 but you've got to do but that's a story the problem. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's very different. You make it difficult. So everyone has an opinion. Yeah. And they'll let you know. Look, mm. you've spoken about Jess a lot, and I love a love story, Pete. I really do. Mm. I'm just a very romantic You're kind of guy. Aren't you, I mean, you guys met very early in life, and then you went through a different period of time, and then you met again years and years later. And it's a beautiful story. You were set <laughs> up, as I understand, by a sports reporter at Channel Ten, Tony Peters. Tony Peters, who was working with Jess at Channel Ten, and recommended that uh, she give you a call, and she did, and you answered, and that's how it all started, basically. Very basically, Bowen. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, when Kostya Zoo, that Russian boxer brought out by Bill Morty all those years mm-hmm. ago, I don't. I remember the news conference. I don't remember Jessica being the work experience girl coming out with me right. on that story. She does. She yeah. said, "Oh, you're so grown up, Peter." Um, 
But anyway, I, I was actually I, I went and got married and, sure. and married a, a, a great girl, but that that didn't uh, work out. Yep. And to, so, two thousand and one, mm. I was single. Mm. I just started at sixty minutes. I was, you know, refocusing my life, yeah. and and mm. sixty minutes was the focus. Yeah. And I'd come through my divorce, mm. and Tony rang, and Tony's got a high pitched voice, and I'll never forget <laughs> answering. Hello. Hey, mate, it's Tony Peters. How are you, mate? I said, oh, good, Tony. Mate, ask Jessica Rowe out. I said, <laughs> I said, oh, mate, I don't want to ask anyone out. I'm just sort of just finding my feet again. And he said, go on, mate, go on. No one asks her out. She's too good looking. Ask her out, mate. Go on, take her on a date. Take her for a meal. She'll probably marry the local lawyer. Don't worry about it. That was the conversation. <laughs> yeah. And I said, no, mate, no, 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 no. <laughs> Come on, mate. Just kept going at me. Yep. And um, I said, okay, here's the deal. It was a Sunday. It was a Friday, I think. It, mm. I said, if she rings me in the next ten minutes, I'll um, I'll go out. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's direct. <laughs> so she did. She did. Wow. Yeah. And I'll never forget. I'm looking down at the cottages from my office window where sixty minutes is, and I said, mm. I like your style. Yeah. And we went out on the Sunday night because I was flying away on the Monday to do Greg a story on Greg yep. Norman. Yeah. This was June two thousand and one, I think. And we went out to dinner in uh, Balmain to a Thai restaurant, and. What are we? Seventeen years later, we've got two beautiful kids. Yeah. We've married, and and she's a fantastic woman. Yeah, she's you know she she's had a wow. She had a, a yeah. mighty career. She had a, a pretty ordinary time here at Channel Nine. She was host of the Today Show, co-host mm-hmm. of the Today Show, and uh, effectively she she was sacked on maternity yeah, sure. leave. But mm-hmm. she got through all of that. Yeah, um, held her own. Yeah, uh, reinvented herself. Yep. and yeah. is flying. She's the most beautiful mother. Yeah, beautiful wife. Yeah. And she's got her own podcast as well. She had a, a career, she's uh, come home. She left uh, Channel Ten because um, our, our eldest daughter especially needed mm. mum around in the mm. morning. Sure, and, and we you know we couldn't be happier. Yeah, well, it paid to be on sixty minutes, didn't it? I mean, I've never had a woman ring me. I've had, <laughs> I've had to hunt. I've had to harass. I've had to almost stalk. But it worked in the end, Pete. <laughs> it worked in the end, but I'm glad it worked out for you. She is a wonderful woman, and that's all I hear. I mean, you know what she is? She's, she's just who she is. Yeah, she's exactly. Genuine. Yeah. Too many people in this industry, yeah. in public life, genuine. they they have a persona that's actually <laughs> different. She's real. Yeah. And she's got this great website, yeah. Crap Housewife. Yeah. And and it's going gangbusters. I wasn't going to say. Where it, do we find yeah. it? Where do we find this in the iTunes store? I assume. Well, is that's it? her podcast. Yeah. Uh, her podcast is one fat lady, one thin lady. Right. Denise Drysdale and her. But yep. The Crap Housewife is a website. But what it is is it basically shows that she's not a great cook. That yeah. d- domesticity is not mm. her great sure. strength. Which is a method of empowerment, surely, because <laughs> other people are going, well, neither am I. Yeah. Exactly. And ashamed Trevor. to say it. And. That's the reaction she gets mm. from yeah. other women. Mm. Thank By the way, my wife's great right housewife. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it, it, this Instagram existence yes. does not exist. Yeah. No yeah. one has the lives. That no. Well, we talk about it. It's, it's a social media thing. People often, uh, I get a lot, jeez, you like, you got a great life, you travel. I'm mm. like, yeah, I only post photos when I'm traveling yeah. and when I've got a hot car or whatever. Yeah. You don't see photos. Of, in fact, I'm not allowed to post photos on social media with any mess in the background in the yeah, house. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just, you don't, As social media is not real life. <laughs> it's just, my, my I, I took a photo of Harry, my youngest, the other day. Mm. Um, he was wearing silly, silly pajamas. I'm mm. like, "Hey, what are you doing, Harry?" And my wife, the first thing she said was, "I could see the the, the washing in the back." <laughs> now our house is a mess. Like yeah. it's it's, it's so, that gives me comfort. I trip those hours. Three kids. I don't know how but, you do it. You know, I've got one. It's, it's just that's that's the problem with social media, and I think that's what so well. I have so much respect for Jess in that sense. Is 
you're trying to change that mentality of everything has to be bloody well perfect because mm. it doesn't. And it's not. No one has that life. And, and here's the deal with social media. Yes, it's a fantastic tool for in so many ways. Mm. But to me, it is destroying the fabric of communication. Yeah. Yeah. And as I spoke to these schoolboys the other morning, I said, guys, get your heads out of the phone and start talking to each other because if you can't converse your future will be very difficult to navigate. Your eldest is 11, did you say? She's 11. Um, she's not on social media. I was going to say, well, no, have no. you talked about... She hasn't got a phone. She's got an say, iPod. Yeah. She's in high school out. next year? Uh, she will be the year after. Year after, mm. right. But it's... And I think this day also, mm. a lot of it causes a lot of mental health problems because yeah. of what you were saying, Trevor, mm. is that this perfect existence is actually not true. Mm. Mm. And it's, why can't I have that? Why, mm. can't, why am I not like that? Why mm. aren't I? And they strive to be something that doesn't exist. So the next big challenge as a, as a parent in the digital age is actually, this is the new generation. There's a whole new generation. Even though we've had social media for a while, we're basically bringing a generation into social media for the first time. We're so when, you, when your kids first get into social media, look, I've got, I've got uh, nieces uh, who are on social media at a very young age, and I, I look at what they're doing, I'm going... I really feel like we need a filter here, kids. Is someone having that conversation? But it's not for me. The problem is, it's not for anyone to say, mm. other than the parent. And you know, your Henry's not at school yet. Mm. But when when you're a parent and there's other parents who have a different view, yeah. even ever so incrementally different to yours, whether it's about screen time or access to phone or whatever, the kids therefore have this uh, this challenge where one kid's getting another thing and it's mm. peer pressure. So. We've got a big problem ahead of us, essentially. Well, I think President Macron, I only read this morning, I think President Macron in France has actually, he's either trying to get through or it's law, I just glanced at it, mm. that, that smartphones not allowed at school, yeah. banned from school. Yeah. And I thought, what a great idea. I yeah. can't believe they're not, to be honest. <laughs> I just, no, I, I don't understand well, how they're Well, at the kids' school, I think yeah. they have to put them in a special locker. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, they're used basically... To school and from school, if you need to. Contact I was going to say it's, it's it's a it's a big problem because mm. I want my son to have a phone next year at high school because I want to know how that he's on the bus and he's mm. on the train. Yeah. I, like I, yeah, for the sure. before and after school, yeah. I trust school when he's at school. But you can track him on an app too. Correct. Yeah. I'll be ringing you to find out what that app <laughs> it's, is. Yeah. It's 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 that. So I want him to have a phone, but only for this certain. Part. It's, yeah. it's a challenge that we all have ahead of us. All right, Pep. Well, we won't hold you up any further. That uh, you haven't held me up, Bowen. I've enjoyed this. <laughs> that's I really good. have. No, that's good. Look, the, the day in the life of Peter Over. He's going to present the news tonight at 6 o'clock. But right now, speaking of screen time and mobile phones, he's got a broken phone. One of his kids, he needs to go get fixed. <laughs> I do. <laughs> that's well, well, that's uh, what Pete's about to do at around midday. But what is, just finally for people who, with the greatest respect, probably think you read the one-hour bulletin, yeah. <laughs> well, what is the day of a, yeah. a newsreader? So a bloke, a tradesman, rang me the other day at yeah. 5.35. Said, <laughs> have, you, have you left for work yet? <laughs> I said, as a matter of fact, I'm just backing out now. <laughs> I said, mate, I've been at work all day. Yeah. So here's the deal. I'm huge into team, um, and I am the representative of the graphic artist, the helicopter pilot, yep. the cameraman, the sound man, the producer, yep. network control. I'm their representative at night. Simple yep. as that. I'm a journalist first and foremost sure. who can read auto cue well. Mm. So I'm part of the daily news gathering. Mm. I'll be sitting out on the main production desk. I have the seat at the end of the table. Mm. I'm involved in the conversation. I'm involved in discussion about lead stories yeah. and so on. I do a lot of radio. It's about branding. In yep. this day and age, we've yeah. got to keep it in front of people. Yep. So I do lots of radio chats sure. throughout the day. You yep. can see here, I've got my um, Little Prima yep. and ISDN or whatever it's called. Yep. So, I, you know, this afternoon I'll, t I'll do six radio crosses. Yep. I do them in the mornings. Mm. Mm. Um, I get up at five. I get the house moving. I'll often do exercise, which is so good for your mental health. Mm. more than anything mm. 
Mm. Uh, the papers still hit the driveway, which is important to me. It's got that romantic attachment to, yeah. I love reading the paper. I'll get through them. I've got, you know, it's, yeah. it's busy, busy, busy. 60 minutes, I'm still down in the cottages down there. Publicity, marketing. There's always someone pulling at you. Mm. Is the bulletin the easy part? Often I, I get to it and I'm, I'll go, man, <laughs> yeah. should have slowed down a bit today. Yeah, yeah. I have a Barocca at 10 to 6 every night on the oh, set. Oh, dear, right. Every okay. night. And I have a real routine. I go down and read four news breaks at 5 o'clock. Mm. Then I go to make up and get my head fixed, as, as they say, get yeah, it all patched sure. up again. Sure. And then I basically sit in the silence of the studio from about 5.20. Yep. And I sit there, I've got a computer, I've got a phone to the producers three levels up. Mm. And it's that fabulous thinking time where you just... You pick, that's where you pick up yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's, you might not have seen in yeah. the hustle and bustle of the And because I've been here for so long, the producers, um, like Mary Davidson was mm. Brian's EP right. and, and is my EP. Wow. They, they, they know how I like to... They, they write for how I read. Mm. Yep. Um, and, and so it's, it's usually pretty good. I'll, I'll change yep. here and there. So, and then I'll get home about eight or I'll go to a charity function mm. or often they'll, you know, when the Thai Caves are on, I was here till midnight most yep. nights, we're doing mm. special bulletins. So mm. you yep. get here at 10, sure. get home at midnight. Mm. But that's what our job is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's about information. Mate, if you get a chance, can you congratulate Belinda Russell and Amber Sherlock? They're, they are walking ten thousand steps to prevent uh, to present that. They're back and yeah. forth. It's athletics. It's, I mean, it's like the Olympics. I don't know. With that big new screen behind, they know them, where they have to, to point, walk around. Uh, several different angles. It's, it's remarkable. And the meetings and the mechanics and the engineering and the imagine. discussions that went on prior to that. And it's all automated, remarkable. isn't it? <laughs> remarkable. Exactly. Uh, no, well done. To we those had to put carpet down because their high heels were. Yeah, I noticed that as well. <laughs> Through the TV I didn't want to home. bring that up. <laughs> uh, magnificent to talk to you, Pete. It's uh, It's been wonderful to know you and, and have conversations with you over the years, but we appreciate you spending time with us here in the EFTM Man Cave. Trevor Bowen, I've loved every second of it. Thank you.